Hello, friends. I am Ariana. And I'm Sankalina. And you are listening to BIS Radio. Stay tuned as we will be addressing a problem that impacts each and every one of us, which is climate change and sustainability. The Earth is a unique planet where life is possible because of the balanced ratio of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. But humans have caused toxicity by increasing the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Today, we have Mr. Sriram Bharatan, who is passionate about environmental sustainability and believes that we all need to be concerned about the increasing carbon concentrations in our atmosphere. I am delighted to take this opportunity to introduce our guest. Welcome, sir. Mr. Sriram is the founder and director of Better Carbon Living Private Limited in Bangalore. His company is focused primarily on reducing the carbon footprint across, across organizations, increasing awareness on the scale of climate change problems facing us while believing it is possible to resolve this, understanding conscious consumerism and ensuring sustainability of all day-to-day activities. He also works in circular economy space, in sustainable sanitation for smaller towns and cities, and has been one of the organizers of Reimagined Waste, a series of hackathons aimed at resolving problems related to waste in our city. So, we all know what climate change is, but the main question is, can we blame climate change for some of the catastrophic events that has happened around the world, such as the Australian bushfire or the forest fires, floods, and so on? Um, Climate change is definitely... Uh, before we start, I think, uh, thank you for having me. Um, Welcome. It's a pleasure. And it, uh, the pleasure is mine to actually be here. And uh, to answer your question, uh, I think definitely climate change is something that's definitely happening. And um, this is causing a lot of variations in patterns that we've been used to over the years. Uh, and things like bushfires, forest fires, floods, um, excessive rain, all of this is uh, definitely because of climate change. Uh, The most common things like melting of polar ice caps, rise in sea levels, changes in flooding, changes in drought, all of this also are outcomes of climate change. Thank you, sir. Through advances in technology, can we really significantly reduce our impact on the environment in the long run, or are we just reallocating our ecological footprint? That's a very interesting question. Um, Today, when one looks at technology, uh, there's a lot of focus on computing technology. Uh, But technology per se does not only look at computing technology. Technology has to be considered uh, in its entirety. Technology is something... Uh, every tool that you use for making your life easy is still part of technology. So when you consider it from that way, um, there's a lot of technology that is useful, that's making our lives better, and it's also improving a lot of human activity that's there in this planet. But that being said, um, uh, we have to consider technology as a tool. And so it accelerates whatever we want to do with it. So if we are in a mode to actually make things better, then we can use technology for making things better. But if we are, if we want to accelerate exploitation of resources, we can also use the same technology for accelerating the uh, exploitation of resources as well. So technology at the end of the day is a tool. Uh, It depends on how we end up using it. 
and uh, whether we use it for the better or for the worse is in, in entirely in our hands mm-hmm. thank you sir um what in your opinion is the biggest obstacle in the way of a move towards sustainability and how might that obstacle be overcome okay um the move to sustainability uh i think we we it'll be good if we can spend a minute here to understand what is it that we're looking at in terms of sustainability um human beings have only been around for a few hundred thousand years um and then there have been many other creatures before us and there will continue to be many more after us as well the planet by itself is not going anywhere uh so what we are looking at here by sustainability i think primarily is to ensure that the survival of humankind continues uh in in this planet is that what we are looking at sustainability mm-hmm. and if that is the case how can we do that without causing irreparable harm to ourselves to our surroundings and to the other creatures that are there in this planet um so that's something that we need to be looking at so you back to your question to try and understand what what is the biggest obstacle uh yeah. to move towards sustainability um in my opinion the biggest obstacle to move towards uh proper sustainability i think is is human behavior why i believe human behavior um is the biggest obstacle to move towards sustainability is that uh, in today's day and uh, humans have always been um interested in understanding uh, about themselves and also understanding how best they can utilize what is available for them and also do it um in a fair amount of um efficient uh ways which could sometimes be described as ruthless so uh so if there's anything that we want to do um and we want to do it well we'll do it well so much to the point of uh completely overdoing it uh for example people used to watch a little bit of television they used to watch a little bit of movies but now when you have streaming services coming to your doorstep you have so much access to information it's in your hands whether you want to watch it or not and more people than not end up watching a lot more it's the same thing that's happening for a lot of uh, other reasons as well uh, for example if you're looking at things like economics uh, when people are interested in accumulating wealth they do it at a really fast pace trying to ex- um, gather as much as possible so this is more like an evolutionary strain a mechanism that's that we have come up with and one of the th- ways that this will actually continue to happen over the next few decades uh is uh, people are going to continue to u- do it until they actually see the major problems facing them it would be great if human behavior can also be used the same way to solve this climate change problem so if we all end up believing that you know this is a problem that's worth solving and all of us need to do something about it i'm sure we'll find a solution to do it but according to me the biggest way how this obstacle could be overcome uh is by practicing some amount of moderation some amount of understanding and mindfulness and also having a rejig on what should be our primary priorities uh i think we should move more from primary priority being economic growth to more simpler things like having clean air clean water 
um, having plants and trees around us. I think those are things that in a way would actually help um, in improving the situation significantly. And as I said before, um, this will improve. Once everyone takes it up on a war footing, people will improve. And there will be people who will try to exploit it as well because that's, that's in human nature. Um, there are certain sustainable practices like recycling and paper and paper versus plastic. Um, these don't have an extremely significant effect in reducing the ecological footprint. Can these practices do more harm than good by making people feel like they're doing their part? Or are these practices necessary for a sustainable lifestyle? That's an interesting question. Um, first of all, let me... Uh, say the say that every bit counts. Uh, if we have 8 billion people doing something that reduces even 1 kilogram of emissions every day, that's 8 billion into 1 kilogram. So that, that's a significant amount uh, of emissions that are getting redu reduced on a daily basis. Uh, so every little bit definitely counts. But a lot of things that we see today in terms of people doing their part uh, are actually processes and activities that they think are cool, that they think are relevant, but are not completely thought through. For example, a lot of us um, end up um, buying sustainable products, but from Brazilian rainforests. So we want to buy things which are organic, which are sustainable, which don't harm the environment, but they have to come to us in India all the way from Brazil. So imagine the footprint that is incurred in actually transporting it all the way. Uh, are you really being sustainable? Is there an alternative that you would get somewhere from something from somewhere close by? Those are things that we need to really think about. Uh, now it's, it's become so much that today climate change has become uh, like a fad. People think it's cool to look that they are being sustainable mm -hmm. rather than actually being sustainable. Mm -hmm. So if you thought that you are really being sustainable, wouldn't you go out and use public transportation? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you go out and see that this is what's happening? So those are, those are primarily uh, things. So, so it, is, it is important for everyone to do not just their part, but do their activities in a sustainable manner wholeheartedly but also it's important for people to also think that this is not something that's happening in passing this is something that has to continue that has to sustain people have to keep working at it and going forward from that yeah um so and um sir how can we educate people that the three main factors of the footprint are transportation housing and food decisions Well, that's that's a tough question. Um, not in the f not in the part where transportation, housing, food decisions, and probably even energy um, are the major factors for uh, very high carbon footprints. But uh, on educating people, uh, I think it's a very interesting question. But um, to be to be uh, honest over here. I think a lot of people know. Um, just yesterday, um, uh, I, I was in the elevator, uh, and um, as I stepped out, um, I, I met the person 
uh, who who does ironing in our apartment, who does laundry in our apartment. And um, we were just casually talking about the weather. And then uh, he looked at me and he said, see, it's raining so much. Is it climate change? <laughs> so I'm not sure we need to spend too much time in educating people about what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of them already know. Mm-hmm. I think now we need to focus on what we can do about it and how we can make things better. Uh, the information is spreading. People do know a lot about, lot more about climate change. But how much do they know? What can they do about it? Is something that we need to figure out how we can go about. Um, in terms of these three things, uh, specifically transportation, housing, and food, and also energy, the electricity requirements, um, these are these are very high um, uh, footprint areas. Um, and um, when uh, um, uh, and I think. If, if we are a little more conscious about how housing is built, um, how transportation is covered, do we really travel the same way for uh, when we travel with family, when we travel with friends? Are there transportation modes that can be shared? Uh, are there easier ways? Can we walk for smaller distances? These are all things because we are so used to actually having a certain level of comfort. Um, we don't really consider a lot of this. Uh, we have some pretty decent uh, public transportation in the city. It's not all bad. We've got a good metro network wherever it's connected. Um, we do have a good bus service as well, which also works. Uh, and um, we do have a suburban rail system also that's also connected to multiple parts of the city. And these are transportation points that will definitely help. Food is something that um, is, is very interesting. And uh, if we look at a lot of perspectives, uh, sometimes a lot of food tends to get wasted during transit, during transportation. But sometimes we also notice, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to notice, but uh, we also have a lot of food wastage that happens simply because it needs to be wasted. Uh, we end up wasting a lot of things because it has passed a certain time frame. Uh, we go to supermarkets today and the food that has arrived three days before, we're talking about fresh produce, fruits and vegetables, after a three-day, four-day shelf life, they are all cleared. Whether they are spoiled, whether they have gotten, whether they have gotten rotten or not is secondary. But they are cleared because there's fresh stock coming in. And those are things that we need to really look at. Those are actually decisions um, that we need to see why they are happening. And those are things that we need to see how we can uh, resolve. Right. Thank you, sir. Um, engineers are always trying to make their designs more sustainable. But how helpful is it to reduce the carbon footprint? That's a very interesting question. Um, engineering, um, along with medicine, is one of usually one of the top two careers that a lot of people in India end up choosing. And um, a lot of engineers do a lot of work in design and understanding um, how to make things more sustainable. It's true. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it goes back tying into the previous uh, points of discussion is where can we make economics play a major role in this? Can we actually not just run away with it, but do things in a little more moderation? Um, for example, um, you could be building the most fuel-efficient vehicle. You could be building a vehicle that will probably give you um, 
200 kilometers for a liter of fuel that could be the most fuel efficient engineering design that could ever be done but if you built that car and that vehicle in such a way that if something goes wrong with one small part you will have to replace half the car then isn't that uh, a wasted opportunity yeah so today we have factors like economics play a lot of um um play um play in ways that um we can't really factor in even if people are trying to make things better so you could have the best design but at the end of the day if you have your reusability or repairability of the product not possible then i think it becomes uh, redundant to have such a fantastic design so we need to look at it from a more holistic a more all round perspective rather than just look at things uh, in isolation so not only are we designing great products but we are also making sure that they are fixable and then they can last much longer mm-hmm. all right um now i'd like to hand it over to gyan and arjun um so now i'd like to ask you your views um with this goal in mind how likely do you think this is or how well, how justifiable is this it is um so as the scientists have um have conveyed that we need to get within 1 and 1/2 degrees uh, of temperature increase and um, these goals uh, to achieve net zero are uh, reasonably aggressive and reasonably uh, interesting uh, because there are countries that have a steady way of getting there that means they have targets for 2030 they have targets for 2040 and they have targets for 2050 and then you have countries which are also going you know we won't do anything till 2040 2045 and then suddenly we'll do everything uh and then we'll be net zero by 2050 um i think we can all figure out which way is the better way um doing something step by step and making sure it's inculcated into regular day to day activities and practices will actually help in sustaining this better in a longer way um it's also interesting to look at these targets and you see that some countries are actually saying that we will have it by 2050 the others are saying by 2070 and they're like why are you uh, why are some allowed to do for longer and why are some not allowed to do for longer it's a very interesting perspective because at the end of the day uh, there seems to be a some amount of um, uh, responsibility that seems to be um, being put on or on countries that are polluting more so there are two ways of looking at this responsibility one is who's polluting more today and the second way is who has been polluting over the last 100 200 years um who's been polluting more then so so if we look at it primarily in terms of industrial activity so you there are certain countries which are which from historic perspectives have um had emissions which are significantly higher and you have countries today which are also having high emissions but in the past uh, they didn't have as many emissions as before so it's a very it's a very complex system um you have uh, also have smaller countries you have islands which are struggling and they were it that their islands will no longer be there by the time we get to 2050 because of the rising sea levels uh so it's a very very complex scenario 
and uh, each country is trying to put its best foot forward but that said i think we all owe it to ourselves to help our countries a little more and push the envelope a little more so if for example india wants to get to net zero by 2070 let's figure out how we can get get there by 2025 years early but yeah i agree with you um i just want to add to that um so the reason you sh- you spoke about how some countries have a more lenient uh, policy on by when they need to reach this net zero goal uh, do you think it's justifiable to prioritize economic growth over sustainability i mean that's the reason stated by uh, many officials um, as the reason why certain countries have more lenient policies it's a very interesting perspective um because um uh, the rational um from the from these countries is that the ones who have achieved economic growth have done so in a way where they have um where they have let out a significant amount of emissions and they have reached their economic goals and for these countries uh, which are um as you would say developing they say we need to have the same opportunities as well but what's interesting to note over here is what the developed um i use the word developed and developing very use loosely but the what the developed countries the economically stronger countries have taken to reach here, to reach a certain stage can actually help the developing countries reach there faster and in a more responsible way so if you have um, countries that are uh, ahead of the curve in terms of sustainability willing to come and share technologies willing and to come and help people understand that these are better practices these are better ways of doing things and these are ways where you can be more efficient in the way you do you don't have to emit as much while you still get to your goals from point a to point b i think that amount of collaboration and cooperation itself will make a significant uh, positive impact thank you sir um i just want to go back to when you were talking about consumerism uh, and you addressed it briefly but many companies have a very large carbon footprint can can we say that their carbon footprints are dependent on individual decision making uh, i'm referring to companies like zomato and amazon and if you if you agree that this is solely based on consumer decision making how can you how can we as citizens or we as consumers find a way to you know efficiently do this because consumers aren't going to stop ordering things from amazon or zomato and how do you think we can make this more sustainable it's a very pertinent question and something that's very relevant um as we spoke a little earlier about human behavior it's also important for us to understand that we have certain dopamine centers uh that help us get um get happy for certain activities that we do and um, the idea is to primarily understand this and be mindful that these are the ones making the decisions uh so that uh, a simple example uh, per se is uh, before you buy anything if you just spend 10 seconds stopping to think and to ask yourself do you really need this um it's more likely that 
at least seven out of ten people will no longer want to buy what is required, what is what they wanted to buy in the first place. These organizations that have that are now offering things like same day deliveries, two day deliveries, uh, also have a significant infrastructure where they not only deliver but they also pick up things for return. Uh, returns are extremely high and a lot of it also happens not just because of bad products or because things that are ordered did not work but also because people have buyer's remorse once they buy it once they come once they see it they're like oh maybe i shouldn't have ordered it and then they send it back but then the footprint that has that has been incurred for for sending it from wherever it was made to the consumer and then sending it back is already an expense and that is something that nobody's really looking at so that's that's those are things that we can definitely look at how we can uh, reduce some of these activities it's also interesting because zomato by its own admission uh, uh, on their on their app uh, actually say that um, our daily emissions are somewhere around 800 tons it's on their app oh, wow uh our daily emissions are about 800 tons uh so they they've committed that um, themselves um so even if we take that value at face value uh so you know how many people are actually ordering uh, do you really need to order that much uh, is do you and are you uh, consuming everything that was ordered or are you ending up wasting a significant amount of that food that is being ordered those are things that we have to ask ourselves and and those are things that are that that's important for us to look at it's also very important um, to see how these things started off uh, when e-commerce first started out uh, there was there was a cut off uh, limit uh, so that means that if in an apartment in a in a location if i think about 7 or 8 people were ordering at the same time and then they all had their products coming in with the same vehicle it was actually more environmentally responsible to do that rather than seven or eight different people getting into their cars and going to seven eight different shops and getting stuff and coming back so it started off with a good intention uh similar to the guy who invented the plastic bag um his intention was to save trees that's why he invented the plastic bag but then we <laughs> just went overboard with using plastic bags so that that's what seems to have happened you see a lot of good intentions good initiatives are coming in but we find ways to use them in ways that they were not supposed to be used so the onus is on us and there's a lot of things that we can do to actually figure out how to reduce some of these footprints so going back to the atmosphere we notice that carbon emissions have changed significantly significantly pre covid during covid and now one and a half years post covid could you share your thoughts on this covid actually brought um very interesting perspectives um um it was an unfortunate um for lack of a better word disaster um it did claim a lot of lives and it was an opportunity for us to get together and uh, be more human um at the end of it um in terms of environmental um impact during this because a lot of people were in lockdown um 
we saw a lot of reduction in environmental emissions. Um, there are stories where people could see the Himalayas from states that were far away. There are stories in Italy where the river dolphins actually came back into Venice. Um, and many, many more. Um, a lot of us would have also seen the uh, significant improvement in air quality in and around us. Um, but now that um, this emergency situation is passed, um, are we being more conscious about it? Um, I'm not so sure because um, what we're seeing over here, for example, in terms of travel, um, yes, we were all cooped up for a year and a half. Yes, it was a hard time. And yes, we all deserve a break. We all deserve a holiday. People need to get out. But did you need to actually catch up on all the holidays that you missed in the last one and a half years? I think that's what's happening now because people are going out and having holidays like this no tomorrow. Um, and that's that's again another way of us um, doing things in a way that's far much more than what any form of moderation can actually help us to do. So um, we have seen that it is possible for us to reduce. We have seen the positive impact of it. But we have also caught up for it so much so whatever we saved in the last one and a half years, we have already emitted now since the lockdowns have been lifted. Um, how do you think Bangalore has been impacted as a city? Uh, do you think people have always focused on sustainability and how has it changed during COVID? Bangalore has been a wonderful city um, for many aspects related to sustainability. Um, uh, primarily in areas such as waste management. There's a lot of people who are involved in helping and ensuring that we have segregated waste. Uh, we ensure that there's enough waste that goes for recycling. We do home composting. There are enough champions out there in the city that help in promoting these uh, aspects. Um, but we also have a reasonably decent public transport system that can be used. But there are also things that we can do for making things better. Uh, there are laws that help us do rainwater harvesting, but we are still pumping in a lot of water from the Kaveri River, which is over 100 kilometers away. Um, there are ways that we can try and reduce that as well, just by harnessing the rainwater that we are getting every year. Um, in terms of development, um, there are mature trees that are getting cut and replaced with saplings elsewhere, but a 40-year-old tree and a six-month-old sapling are not exactly the same. And therefore, we need to look at um, possibly solutions where we can transplant some of these trees rather than cut them and see what best we can do. So these are some things that are happening in Bangalore that could be better. But Bangalore is, is well aware of uh, what's happening on the environmental front. There are a lot of people who come forward to help prevent some of these challenges. There are a lot of people who come to help clean lakes. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of people who can help um, manage waste, segregations, recycling, and also tree protection. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and there's a, a lot of good work that's happening. We just need to build on it and then go forward from there. Climate change can be overwhelming. The science is complex, and when it comes to the future, 
there is still a lot of uncertainty. While massive solutions will require action on a global scale, there are choices you can make in your day-to-day -day life to lessen your personal impact on the environment and be a positive example to others. We'd like to thank you, Mr. Sriram, for an enlightening discussion on environmental sustainability. Thank you for having me. It was interesting to talk to you about it. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Thank sir. You.